James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. And I'm just going to be as transparent as I could be for just a second. And I mentioned this to you last uh, last week as a prayer request. This passage of Scripture has... Uh, I don't have any problem understanding. I have absolutely no problem comprehending it. Um, but the problem that I have is trying to explain it so as to not confuse you. And uh, so I, 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 I believe over the last two weeks, I, I've, 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 I think I figured it out how I could share that with you. Um, but I want you to do me a favor. Uh, if you are confused by anything that I say tonight, Please don't go home and worry about it, but come to me and ask, and so maybe I can explain it. I told, I think it was Brother Kurt today, I said, I want to preach through the book of James. I don't want to teach because there's different gears, and I'd rather preach and stomp and snort. That's what I'd rather do, but I feel like tonight I might end up having to slow down and teach. But we're going to read the rest of this chapter, verse number 14 down through verse number 26. And as we read that, um, I, I'm going to try my best to keep any commentary um, to a bare minimum, if at all, and then get right into uh, the message tonight. You found your place? Amen. 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 So verse number 14, what doth it profit, my brethren, <clears throat> though a man say he hath faith <clears throat> and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now he's using some strong language here. Verse number 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. James says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But, he says, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 21, he begins to give examples of this faith and works. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Actually, that's a question there. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Verse number 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead 
also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I ask you, if you will, tonight, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. I pray that you'd help me, Lord. You know my heart's desire to preach, but but God, if need be, and this needs to be slower and it needs to be taught, I pray that you'd give me direction there. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your word, help us to be able to communicate what you've spoken to my heart tonight. God, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in, in this reading, of course, we have to go back and see where he's coming from. So just quickly, by way of introduction, we understand that the first half of this chapter deals with being partial in regards to the brethren. Matter of fact, in case we miss it, verse number 15 says, if a brother or sister be naked. And so now we can apply that to anyone, whether they are a Christian or not, Brother Kurt, but specifically he says, if one of the flock come to you and they have a need and you do nothing about it, he said, what does it profit? So uh, James warns that uh, God chose, we're still in the first half of this, and God chose the poor of this world rich in faith. And so again, he is, he is building, every verse is building upon another. Then he gives instruction about keeping the whole law. And he tells us that if we break one of those law, that makes us guilty of them all. And then finally, in those last two verses, verse 12 and 13, he finally tells us that we need to judge others with mercy. And if we would do that, then we also may be judged with mercy. And and that is very difficult in our day. And, and in my experience, one reason why it's difficult is because you have society that, that demands um, quick action. You go to a drive-thru and you want quick action. You go to a restaurant, you want quick action. You go to parts, whatever it may be, you want quick action. And so if someone does wrong, they don't want a period of time where you fast and you pray and you try to deal with things, but rather they want quick action. And oftentimes, personally or collectively, quick action is void of mercy. Somebody go ahead and say amen right there. And so he says there in verse number 14, he says that, uh, let me just read it for, uh, he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. But then he, he uses this phrase and says, mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Uh, and if you would recall, uh, it is mercy that's stand up, standing up and, and saying, show mercy rather than judgment. Show mercy to that one that does not deserve it. Show mercy to that one that has hurt you rather than judging them and, and, and being swift about it. So now James begins a, a new thought, and this is a thought about faith and about works in contrast. And so if I can tonight, I, I've titled this part, uh, The Dependence of Faith and works, the dependence of faith and works. We look at verse number 14 down through verse number 20, and we find faith and works examined. Now, I'm going to try to go as fast as I can tonight, but we see very, very first, we see that there is an emphasis in verse number 14 on the word say. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? And so, 
there, uh, Theodore Epps said this, it is contrasting what a person says with what his life indicates. Now, just in case there, there is any confusion now or there will be, understand tonight that what James, and, and I'll, I'll be fairly redundant on several things tonight, but what James is speaking of when he's talking about faith, he is speaking of, yes, your belief, as he mentions in verse number 19. But he's saying if you have salvation, but yet you do not produce works as a result of that salvation, then you got a problem, okay? And so uh, he is contrasting what a person says with what his life indicates. All right, let's, let's break it down. If you say you're a husband tonight, that means that you are married, and it should mean that you are married to a woman. That's what it's always meant until the last several years. But if you say that you are a husband, then that means that your works, your attitudes, your goals should have something to do with your wife. If you say you're a husband, but yet you flirt with everyone else, then your works do not indicate that you are a husband. Y'all, y'all feel me? That's kind of a, a very crude illustration of what James is speaking of here. And so we have to ask this question, what is faith? And again, uh, here in the book of James, the word faith in his usage, it is to say that a man is saved. So let's look at this verse again. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he is saved and have not works? Can faith save him? So he is, he is calling into question, he is examining this individual's faith and their works, okay? Also, what is the word works? It is deeds, it is actions done as a result of salvation. You need to understand these things. When you hear my voice go high, that means I'm trying to emphasize, emphasize, trying to tell you, I'm, emphasize some things. That's what I'm looking for. So he says that, the, the writer says that works is deeds or actions done as a result of salvation. So he asks this question, James asks this question here, can faith save him? So with these two ideas of what faith and works is, we can, we can ask the question, can salvation without outward proof really be true salvation? Now, we need to understand that, that man, mankind cannot see our faith. They cannot see our faith. So as a result, James teaches us that there must be something to prove our faith. We talk about the, the old saying, the proof of the fruit is in the root. And I can, I can plant a hundred orange trees, but if they never produce a fruit to prove, never produce a leaf to prove that it is an orange tree, you will never believe me. And James says, if you are saying you are a Christian, you are saying you are, you have faith and you are saved, but yet you never show any proof of that, he says, are you really saved? So, 
We, we also look at, at this statement again by Theodore Epp. He says, um, it must, faith must be manifested through works. Man cannot see faith. So as a result, works must accompany that so our faith is manifested. Verse number 15 down through verse number 17, uh, we see kind of a sub-point here, words with no actions. He says in verse number 15, if a brother or sister be naked, you we've already read this. He says, you say, depart in peace, you be warmed and filled, but yet you do nothing about it. What does it profit? So these are words with no actions. And these are fellow believers, and they have a physical need, and they have a financial need. But yet you offer no hope. Uh, Brother Stanley, it would be if you came in here, and, and there was absolutely no way. I don't You didn't need it today, but there was no way that you could pay your heat bill, or maybe it was propane or whatever, and uh, just say it was, it was going to be zero degrees tonight, and you needed a way for your family to stay warm. And, and the church just essentially says, well... I hope y'all got plenty of blankets. But we did nothing to say, hey, you know, I, I, maybe I can't pay that bill, but I got some extra blankets. I've got, I've got something else that I can get. Or y'all come over to my house tonight. That's what's happening here. And he says, if you see this need, but you do nothing about it, but you just give empty words, he asks the question, what does that profit? And I'll just go to answer it because James kind of leaves it. It does not profit anything. It helps neither person, neither party is helped by those empty words. Salvation with no works, with no outward deeds, James says, is dead. Verse 17, even so faith. He says your faith is just like those empty words. He says if your faith hath not works, then your faith is dead. There's something to note here, and this is where confusion comes in. Because the Apostle Paul wrote more than half of your New Testament Bible. And the Apostle Paul was very against works. Y'all hearing me tonight. James and Paul both spoke about works, but they spoke about them in different tenses, different directions, if you will. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Here it is. Not of works. Now, how are we saved? By grace are you saved through faith. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Here's the explanation of that. Here's why you need not be confused tonight, Lighthouse. This is why. Because Paul speaks of works as a means of salvation. He said you cannot be saved... Listen, you cannot be saved by doing good works. You can do good works all day long, and that is not going to get you saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of works. It is the gift of God. He says, lest any man should boast. So Paul is speaking of works as a means of salvation, but James is speaking of works as a result of salvation. James is saying, now that you're saved... Produce works. Now, let's go back through the illustrations. Now that you are planted as an orange tree, produce oranges. 
Now that you are a husband, produce fruit that proves to everyone that you're a husband. The truth of the matter is, there's a very few amount of people that knows that you are the husband of Leah Rauhuff, Rauhuff, or however you say it in German. Now she's Russell. You don't get ahead of me. I ain't trying to take her away from you. I had her for about a year, so you can have her. I promise. And what I meant by that is she lived with, with us, okay, just so you know. Never has she been a Burke. Come on. Hallelujah. That's false part is sticking in tongues right there. You translate that. But Kurt, that was, I don't know how many people were at your wedding. You made your vows. You, you together, you made your vows in front of a community of friends and, 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 and family. But the truth is, when you go, you go to, to, to town, they don't know who your wife is. The only thing that tells them that you're married is that ring on your hand. But they need proof. And so James says, you're not saved by your works, but you work because you are saved. So, James, again, and, and, and let me go back and say this. They're both right, Brother David. Paul's right and James is right because they use works completely differently. So they're both right. So make, make sure you don't think that, that they are at odds with one another. James then makes a bold statement. He says, uh, essentially, if you say that you are saved, but you never prove it by the works that you do, you're not truly saved because he says your faith is dead. What do we do with dead things? We bury them. We get rid of them. We don't prop them up in the living room. We get rid of them. They're of no use. And your salvation, if you're, if you tonight, if you are saying that you are saved, but yet you are not producing fruit, your people do not see your faith in action, then your faith is dead. Essentially what James is saying, what he's saying tonight is, you're not really saved. So then we see in verse number 18, 19, and 20, we see that faith is under fire. James, again, he points out some spoken statements here. He says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. All right, so now there's two people represented. There's a person, there's one individual that has faith only. But remember, he says, faith without works is dead. And then there is a man, he says, a man may say, thou hast faith, and that's all, and I have works. Samuel, he's saying, he's saying, all right, Samuel, you say you have faith. But you need to know, I have works. I'm, I'm working, I'm doing... Neither one of us are going anywhere. Because without your faith mixed with my works, he says it's not true salvation. And if all I have tonight is works, but I do not have faith, then I'm just busy. I'm not a born-again child of God. But then he, he, he focuses right after verse number 18 with verse number 19. He says, he says, you believe that there is one God. He says, you do well 
James, get, and in my mind, James is kind of getting cocky here, and he said, boy, you're doing a good job. I'm so proud of you. Pats him on the head. You're, that's wonderful. But you need to know that the devils believe also and tremble. So you need more than just belief. You have to have proof. You have to have action to go along with this. Salvation must produce works. And then number two tonight, we see faith and works exhibited. So now we we go a little bit further in verse number 21. And before we get to Abraham, we need to understand that throughout this passage from 14 down through verse 22, he, he uses three three words. One is faith. And again, I told you that there'd be some things that would be redundant. Um, one is faith. And this is vital, or this is lively. And then, in contrast, you have a dead or a false faith. If you go to the doctor... This is what my doctor does. As soon as I walk in that thing, they tell me to sit down or they tell me to get on the scale. And then they start taking blood pressure and they start taking temperature. What are they doing? They're taking my vitals. They're, they're, they're trying to see if they're, one, if they're good or they're bad. But they, Miss Irene, they want to make sure I'm not a dead man walking. And so James is dealing with the word faith, and he says you've got two choices. You, you can have a living faith or a dead faith. Just know that living faith is accompanied by works. Dead faith is faith alone, belief alone. Then he uses the word works. And this is that outward evidence of an inward salvation. Remember the statement that I made, men cannot see faith. You can talk about it, you can tell about it, you can, you can write about it, but men need to see faith. And then he uses the word in verse 22, which we've not technically got there yet, but we read it. And this, this is the word justify. And the word justify in, in this text, it means something which follows an existing relationship with God. So if I could say it like this, it is a result. It is a result. So it is a result not to remain saved. Once you are saved, you are always saved. Can you all agree with that tonight? I believe the Word of God teaches that. There's no need to, to contradict that tonight. But James is in no way saying that if you are saved and you stop working for Him, you're going to lose your salvation. He is not saying that at all. But this is a, this is a perpetual and, and, and at times, it, let me back up, it can be a progressive, but it is a perpetual thing. Your faith, when you are truly saved, until the day that you die, you should be producing fruit. And this is not a new concept. John the Baptist before we get into grace, John the Baptist was talking to those Pharisees and he says, you need to uh, produce fruit, meat for repentance. Peter, I, I quoted this on Sunday, 
Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So there is a work. What is baptism? We say it all the time. It is a it is a an outward statement that something has happened in you. So that is one of the the works of your salvation. You are saying, you are declaring to everyone, hey, I am a child of God. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, right? But what does he do? With the mouth he, mouth, he confesses it. And so again, he uses this word justify as something that follows an existing relationship with God. So it's not to remain saved, but it is to maintain the your rightness with God. Your rightness. You can write that. I don't know if that's the right word or not, a correct word. But we could say your righteousness with God. But I think for us, I think we can say it like this. If, if, we are go, if, if we are saved, then this justification that he's about to start talking about, Kurt, that comes through works. He mentions Abraham and he mentions Rahab. And he gives an example of their works and how that they were justified. So that is, it's not keeping them saved but it's keeping them right with God. So, James seems to indicate here that our justification that he is speaking about is in the sight of men. Notice what he said there in verse number 14. He uses the word say. In verse 22, he uses the word see. And this indicates that other people are hearing what we say and they are watching what we do to see if our faith is real. I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead honest with you. If, if I roll up on somebody and they say, yeah, I'm a child of God and all he does is cuss and drink and fight and, and, and I'm going to have serious doubts. Because his, his, his works are, are telling me something different. The fruit that he is producing is telling me something different. Now, I know that's a fine line and we don't know the hearts of men. That, I believe that, I really believe that's why he prefaced this with verse number 12 and verse number 13 and tells us to judge with mercy. Because only God knows. Aren't you glad that God knows our hearts? And I could sit up here and I could preach until the cows come home and you do not know the intent of my heart. You do not know what's inside here. But God does. And so as we are uh, inspecting fruit, if you will, show mercy. Paul, though, he uses the word justify differently. No surprise to me. Sure it is not to you. Again, James seems to indicate that this justification that he's writing about, Hannah, is in the sight of men. Paul, though, uses the word justify in the sight of God. He, he tells us that we are justified before God. So what does God do? God sees our Faith. I was talking to Brother Ryan Goins a little bit about this on my way home today, and uh, he he began to to kind of uh, help clarify some things. Not that well, he just began to help clarify some things, and he began to talk how that how that God sees things that men don't, and how that no matter how hard men try, they'll never see all that God sees. 
I mean, again, we can look at we can look at ourselves and, and, and really try not to nitpick all of the faults. But as hard as we try tonight, we can never truly see why God would choose any of us. But I'm glad that God does, because he sees things that you and I don't. So James says that we're justified in the sight of men, so we need to produce fruit. But Paul uses the word justification uh, in the sight of God. So um, when we are justified before God, God sees our faith. But as James would say, it, we're justified before men, so men sees our works. So very quickly, as we end tonight, we look at Abraham, Rahab, and then the last verse speaks of our body. And we're not going to turn there, but if you, if you want reference, go to Genesis chapter 22, and you'll see that Abraham is told to go up on the mountain, and he's told to take his son Isaac, his only son Isaac, and sacrifice him there. And so now in verse number 21, he says, Abraham, our father, he was justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Now, we know that he didn't have to follow through because what did God do? He provided a ram. All right? He provided another sacrifice. But the, 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 the truth remains tonight is that he was going up there to sacrifice his son. But in faith, I believe that he was going to come back down the mountain with his son. Because he told him, old boys down at the bottom, he said, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We're going to worship but we will be back. And so, as we think about that, we see that this is Abraham's outward showing of works. And it proved to all men that his inward faith was true. By this, men everywhere throughout Scripture reference back uh, godless men. Uh, I'm reading in Genesis chapter number, uh, oh goodness, chapter number 20. And chapter 22, I believe, talks about Abimelech. And I'll not go into it, but, but Abraham did the same thing that he did in chapter 12 when God says, I, you're special, I got some plans for you. And he lost his faith and went to Egypt and he said that Sarah was his sister and liked to fouled everything up. Well, then he did the exact same thing, Sister Tabitha, in chapter number 20. And Abimelech had her, had Sarah set aside. He's like, all right, I'm going to make sure she goes to the perm house. I'm going to do her toes. I'm going to make sure she's pretty when she comes in here. And God smote him in a dream and said, look at here, big boy. That ain't none of you. She is not just a sister. She is Abraham's wife. And he smote them with barrenness and, and, and no telling what else. But we know for sure uh, that their, their wives, their, their concubines were barren. There was no children because at the end of that, God opened their wombs again. And so Abraham, he's spoken of with great faith. But guess what? He was a man just like the rest of us. He was a human and his faith could ebb and flow. It could, it could wane in, in those hard times. But yet he proved his works, or he proved his faith by his works. And again, this, this seems to be a justification according to men, because he says in verse number uh, 23, I believe it was, he said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. Ye then see how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Again, he uses that word see, and he says you could see his works. 
presenting his faith. So then we look at Rahab. Rahab immediately, and this is just me being me, but Rahab immediately gets a bad rap. Likewise, also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by her works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? So Abraham, he was, he was kind of, you know, he was the father of the Jews, if you will, and so he was, he was high and lifted up. And then there was Rahab. Notice, notice kind of the, the titles compared between Abraham and um, Rahab. Abraham carried the title of the friend of God. Rahab carried the title the harlot. I mean, you got you got you got the friend of God showing works that proved his faith. Then you have the harlot. But guess what? Their titles may have differed, but their description was exactly the same. They were justified. (laughs) I'm too tired to run, but I wouldn't mind trying. They were both justified. Brother, Brother Bobby, regardless of their past, good or bad, they were both justified by what they did. Now remember, Brother Bobby, he's talking about in the sight of men. We know that they were justified in the sight of God, Brother David. According to Paul and his definition of justification, we know that. But James here, he's saying all men, all, all humanity, they knew there was something different about Abraham and something different about Rahab because of what they did. And tonight, if you say, let's go back to verse 14, if you say you have faith, then you need to be different. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be a peculiar people. We're called to be a different people. And some, don't say amen and don't look at me, but some are more peculiar than others. But as the believer, as the children of God, born again believers, we're called to be peculiar. Different. Not like everybody else. I'm not saying that we got to stand out in a crowd and beat our chest and say, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian. No, they ought to be able to tell that. They ought to be able to, to hear that by our language, by the things that we say, or maybe by the things we don't say. They should be able to see our faith by things we do or don't do, by places we go or places we don't go. So we're justified in the sight, James says, in the sight of men by the works that we do. And then, very last, verse 26, he speaks about the body. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, tonight, we may, and I don't want to bring up any bad feelings. And I I struggle with even going on this. But we, we may visit a hospital tonight or a nursing home. And they may have someone maybe on hospice care. Um, by the way, in case I forget, my aunt that I've been asking you to pray for, she passed away this morning. So let's, let's just focus on my Aunt Juanita. Back last week, Thursday I believe it was, she, 
She'd been having many strokes, and she got to the point where she just couldn't do. Then she stopped eating. Then she lost consciousness. But according to the hospital, there's still life within her. She was still alive. So that day they put her on hospice, and some of you know exactly what that means, especially towards the end of life. So she had not eaten anything as of today since last Wednesday, so seven days. But today, things changed. You see, she was, she was there. Her body was there. Her heart was beating. Her mind was working. But the cancer had ravaged her body. And if I could say it like this, without getting in too much detail, Miss Tanya, her spirit had gone. So she was of no earthly use. Her body was still there. Family had time to come and say their goodbyes and all of those things. But James says, if the body does not have the spirit, it is dead also. How many times do we hear about someone maybe that has an accident and they're completely paralyzed or they're comatose and they stay on life support for for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. I, I don't know. And there's absolutely no change, no improvement because there's no spirit there. And so what do they have to do? They have to unplug the machines. In my aunt's instant, there was no unplugging. There was just an absence. And she breathed her last breath naturally, and she left. So now we look at that body, and you try to find the pulse. There is no pulse. If you could hook the leads up to her head, you would find no brain activity. Because without a shadow of a doubt, that spirit has left the body, and it's just a shell. When we go to a funeral home, it's just a shell. Many times do we hear that? That's that's just an empty shell. James says he's comparing all of this now, and he says if we have faith, if we say we have faith, but we don't have works, it's just an empty shell. There's no substance to it. Conversely, though, if you have works, but there is no faith, then you're just as dead. That's what happened over in Matthew when, when Jesus was speaking and they, they came to him and said, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Samuel, they had works, but they had no faith. So that, that is the lesson tonight. Um, and, and I'll just kind of forewarn you, there's, there's some, some other instances like this in um, in the remaining chapters, but uh, I, I want you to buckle up and keep coming, especially on Wednesday nights. Occasionally, I'll I'll finish up a, a, a part on Sunday night, but just to forewarn you, in um, in chapter number three, he starts talking about the tongue, and so it's liable to get hot. Okay, and uh, so y'all y'all bring your steel-toed shoes in here, and uh, just get ready for whatever the Lord. Uh, lays on my heart.